0: For some, the Front Bottoms represent everything juvenile and silly about music. Their habit of name-dropping faceless girls, making innuendos about drugs, and over-explaining their emotional spectrums have caused them to be overlooked in the eyes of the critics. Front Bottoms fans have been hiding out in the bunkers of the pop-punk battlefield, waiting for their moment in the spotlight, because there's another subsect of people that look at the Front Bottoms as a band that represents change. The Front Bottoms have forced people to grow up, Those faceless girls are fully sketched out and formed in the mind of the listener, those innuendos have become a harsh reality, and the emotional overtones have become the only thing keeping their listeners grounded in reality. The Front Bottoms are too much of everything to be confined by a music subgroup or a specific genre label. It's just easier to say that the Front Bottoms are a rock and roll band from New Jersey, and at the peak of their powers, they're able to create albums like Talent of the Hawk. Talent of the Hawk is not a call for change, it's a call for chaos. And above all of that, it's an Art School Album. And we are back. Welcome to another episode of Art School Albums. So and today, we are discussing one of my favorite records of all time. There have been a lot of albums we've discussed on the show of, of bands I like, of albums that I love, but we have not had the combination of my favorite band and my favorite album by said band. And we're doing that today, and we're tackling that with one of my favorite people. We're tackling that with Nathan Hatfield. Nathan, how are you? Hey, Case. I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm good. You sound real confident behind the mic right now. That was a good start. (laughs) I
1: always do. Oh,
0: Nathan. uh, A few things off the bat. First of all, we're both from Indiana. Correct. You are from... Fort Wayne, Indiana. Fort Wayne, Indiana. I ran into you two summers ago in Fort Wayne, Indiana at a front-bottom show, and the album we are discussing today is Talent of the Hawk
1: by The Front Bottoms. Do you remember this interaction? I do, because I was super confused by it. Because it was at um, a record store. Neat, neat, neat records. the homeboys at Neat, Neat, Neat. And um, By the way, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, there was a girl who was on The Voice, like, three years ago, her dad owns that record store. That is
0: that is correct, although they recently sold the record store. They now have new owners, and that girl that was on The Voice, her father now no longer owns the store. Oh, did not know that. So I don't know why you know <laughs>
1: Fort Wayne Politics better than I do, but... Because okay. I still
0: follow them on social media. Oh, no, I don't. Um, I follow record stores that I haven't been to on social media, so one mm-hmm. that I have,
1: I am definitely connected to them. Neat, neat, neat. Records showed up, and I was so mad. Because there's this another record store in Fort Wayne, a more uh, well-established record store called Wooden Nickel, mm-hmm. and there's like three locations, and it's where I went all the time as a kid, because my mom loves records and stuff, and like that type of whatever. And so uh, we went there, and then like neat, neat, neat popped up, and I was like, how dare you? What are you? Who do you think you are? Why are you coming on my turf? Turns out, great record store. Great record store. I had a really good time there
0: the one time I was there. I picked up... Uh, the Front Bottoms EP that had just come out, and and then I also grabbed uh, Bad Religion's Generator, which is my favorite Bad Religion album, and I remember putting it down on the counter, and the guy going, huh, nobody's ever bought these two records before, which statistically, yes, because one of them was a new album, but right. he said it in a way of, like, what a weird combination, and I, that has stuck with me now two years later, because I'm like, I don't <laughs> think that was that weird. It wasn't. Like, they're different sounding bands, but kind of in the same stratosphere. Yeah, no. And it wasn't like Jack Black and High Fidelity. It wasn't like a cool like record store guy behind the counter going like, oh, have you heard uh, the new Strokes album? It sucks. But it was like, oh, no, I don't think that's that weird. I don't
1: think, I'm going to be honest, I don't think a cool record store guy exists anymore. That is true. Uh, or ever really existed. I'll be honest. Well, like, they air quotes around did. cool. Yeah. Yes. They were all like dicks. But hold on. We did meet at Neat Neat Neat, yes. And I was very confused because I didn't know why you were there. Because I was, <laughs> I went, I know who you are. I'm with my friends in my hometown. Why are you here? I know you're from Indiana, but I know you're not from Fort Wayne. That is true. And then you're like, No, we're just here to see the front bottom. I was like, So am I. This is crazy that we're here at the same time to do this.
0: Yes, my takeaway from that experience was I saw you, and. I think what happened was I think we waved to each other before the show, and then the front was played for like 40 minutes, and then after the show, we bumped into each other. And my recollection of the experience is we had a very brief conversation, like, how are you? So good to see you. And then as we were walking away, the person I was with let me know. Uh, she was like, hey, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but you were yelling at him. Um, you were saying nice things, but you were – talking really loud and like yelling at him about how happy you were to see him yeah that sounds about right (laughs) yeah it's i'm a loud talker and it's something that i'm very aware of and working on but
1: i come in a little hot sometimes no but here's the thing you're not a loud talker because as you know as i know and everyone we know I am the loud talker. You were
0: saying that before we started recording that you were afraid you were going to be too loud. But I maybe it's because we know each other and we've known each other for almost three years now. But we don't necessarily spend a lot of time around each other, Correct. which is just by happenstance. It's yeah. not a choice that either of us are making, at least maybe. to my knowledge. Yep. <laughs> um, but I don't consider you to be like a very boisterous person. I I think you're very opinionated and you're not afraid to share things. But I don't look at you as like a loudmouth. But I could be wrong.
1: Well, it's not like a it's like a loudmouth in the sense of like, uh, when you hear when you're far away, and you hear my voice, you know it's me. That's <laughs> it's fair. like one of those. It's like uh, that's like the only way I can explain because you know we had surgery together. Like it's just like one of those moments. Like you hear me, someone hears me talking, and then it's like oh, it's fucking Nathan talking again. It's not like a.
0: Yeah, but I always welcome your voice. Yeah,
1: that's you're one of the few because
0: it gets old after a while. I am. Well, I live that life. That's I understand. True. Yeah, but yeah,
1: no. Also, it doesn't help that like when loud people get together, they get louder. That is true. When they get excited, like when they get excited, they just get loud to say it. Like uh, when I see people that I know who are loud, I start yelling when I see them. You gotta hit their level. Yeah, you. There's like an energy there or something or whatever. But nevertheless, yeah, well, no, loud we're, people.
0: We're loud talkers, which is one thing we have in common. Another thing we have in common. We bottoms. both love the front bottoms. I
1: that concert. I remember that concert. And another reason why we saw each other there is because I was like, "Oh, cool, you're here to this concert. You're probably going to the concert tonight because they were performing in Fort Wayne that night." And you're like, "Actually, no. That's the reason why I'm here is because I can't go tonight." I was like, "Oh, because I got a double hit of the front bottoms." Yes, it. That sounds. So lovely, and I wish I would have
0: been able to attend that show. The person I was with, unfortunately, had a college orientation the next morning, and she did not want to stay out late and then wake up early the next morning, Wait. but she was driving, so that was the situation that Where we had. Where was she
1: orientating at? South St. Francis? Or?
0: IUPUI. Oh. Ugh. A lot of, lot of very specific Indiana talk in this episode so far. I it's, think people are going to be really into this. Well,
1: IUPUI is Indiana... University Purdue University Indianapolis. If you guys really need to know, I didn't know what the last I stood for. It's, yeah, it's for I typically just say Indiana
0: University Purdue University
1: I. Nope, it's Indianapolis. Okay, it's, uh, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Indiana campus. I'll take your word for it. So the front bottoms. Yes. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Yep. The front bottoms. Very good band. Do you
1: remember the first time you heard them? I do. I was thinking about it because I was like, oh, I'm coming on. I have to actually like remember these facts because <laughs> uh, I can't even be like, no, oh, I've just known them my entire life. Um, it was. <laughs> I got the music, I learned of the Front Bottoms the way I learn of any new music in my life. And by that I mean the Hamilton, the ha- like the original Hamilton Hamilton soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I heard it the, I heard it the same way, NPR. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I heard the Hamilton soundtrack because it was released on NPR that morning. And I was like, oh, cool. And that's how I first heard it. And uh, the Front Bottoms, when they were releasing this album, they did a tiny desk. They did a tiny desk. And that's how I heard of them, is that they were on NPR. You were a big Hamilton guy, Nathan? Uh, I don't want to talk about that. That's not what we're here to talk about. Okay. Um, but yeah, I was. <laughs> Did you look at your watch? Uh, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah, no, I was a huge, I was huge in Hamilton. It was like the year I had just gotten out of co- like high school, not college. It was like around that time and I really loved musicals and I really loved political history. two of my two, fa- two of my favorite things. And it was also like, Before it gets, I got all the shit that it got. It was like, it's a legitimately good musical. All right. Also, like, hate to pull this card, but as a person of color. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're getting into that early. I see. We are. (laughs) We are. As a person of color, like, just a show that was, like, about something that I cared about that only had people of color in it, other than, like, King George, who is, like, though everyone else in that show is a big, like, idea of, like, you know, racism. Like, King George is kind of really, kind of up there. And so, like, just to have that show be a thing and have people to actually like the show, I was like, oh, this is dope. Um, so that was that. There's a big siren that just came yeah. by. This is what
0: happens in, when you record in the South Loop of Chicago. Um, uh, musicals are something that I actually want to tackle on this show at some point because I don't necessarily respect the medium at all.
1: It's, Which is fine. Like, there's no, like, what, like, whatever, man. You don't have to like musicals. No, and but, I,
0: I don't have to, and nor will I. But... You should. Um, that's what I'm learning is that there's a lot of people who I want to have on the show because I think they're very entertaining. But when I approach them about the subject, I had somebody tell me, well, I only listen to the Beatles and musicals.
1: Okay, that's b- bullshit. And they're
0: <laughs> a great person. I, don't I can care. look I don't past like that. I can't. I don't know who they are, but I can't look past I it. was like, oh, Okay, that's okay. We'll do we'll do that later. Then we'll yeah. tackle that uh at some other time. Yeah, no. But I,
1: there's a difference between being like liking musicals and having um like and having musicals being your personality.
0: Yes, for sure.
1: And I think that's where like theater kids like Draw the line, like in this like that's where like there's different groups of theater kids come into play. It doesn't matter. We're here to talk about not this. We're here to talk about something else. Yeah,
0: so you discovered the front bottoms through their NPR Tiny Desk show. Yes. For my money, one of the best tiny desk concerts there has ever been.
1: That one, the Lizzo one, the Sesame Street one. Um uh there's
0: a Cheryl Crow one that just came out recently, and I'm a big Cheryl Crow guy. Are you really? Unironically love Cheryl Crow. I think she's incredible.
1: Really? Yeah,
0: and I have been chastised for it and mocked for it ruthlessly. I will not mock you for it. I think Sheryl Crow is incredibly talented, and I really would like to see her in person sometime.
1: Oh, like one-on-one or in concert? I'll take Both. either, but,
0: <laughs> but I meant in concert. Okay, But uh, yeah, that would be the Front Bottoms, and honest to God, I think Sheryl Crow, kind of my one and two Tiny Desk. My
1: second favorite one, my second favorite Tiny Desk concert, I think... If- could be wrong but i'm pretty sure he did one was nick Lowe? okay um he's one of my favorite artists of all time love nick Lowe. um like that whole genre of music is kind of really where i'm at which is um like 80 like 80s 90s um british pop music okay yeah um but he kind of goes more indie more now because he's like um um you know the song cruel to be kind i've heard of it yeah it's an elvis costello okay yeah yeah elvis costello song yeah That's a Nick Lowe song that Elvis Costello uh, covered. That's it. No, that's good. (laughs) That's all I have. A
0: great contribution. (laughs) I'm really glad that you shared that. Uh, Yeah. So the Front Bottoms are a band that we probably got into around the same time, just given that we're the same age. For me, they were a band that popped up. I remember I was still using iTunes at the time. This was before my switch to Spotify. And for whatever reason, they were recommended to me. It was uh, the songs Flashlight and Maps off of their first record, which are Stone Cold Classics. They're bangers. They slap. Yada, yada, yada.
1: Dude,
0: this band's so good. <laughs> they are they are so good. And that is something that we'll unpack as this episode goes along is I think in, in – I want your opinion on this, but I feel like there's a weird stigma around being really into the front bottoms. There is,
1: a thousand percent.
0: And why is that?
1: I think it's because – I don't, honestly, I don't know. I, like, 100% don't know. But my theory kind of goes along with this idea of the Front Bottoms became really big, like, as a subculture thing, which it was not. It wasn't, like, a real subculture thing, but, like, just, like, this idea of, like, it kind of, you either kind of discovered it for a couple different ways, mine being an outlier, but also, like, you discovered it through, like, a recommendation or, like, Tumblr. Yes, Or, like, very some, so. like, some, like, sad angsty social media type thing and then a lot of the kids that did like it like the main group were like white kids from the midwest like very that was so. like that they weren't the vampire weekends they I had know. a they had a little
0: bit more of an edge to them yeah, because they the, were... the front bottoms are i think lyrically very clever but they don't paint themselves be any sort of elitist whereas like we talked about with the vampire weekend episode a very elitist scholarly record that like right. i don't really care mesh with that aesthetic all that much
1: right it had, like one though one is from new jersey and the other is from i want to say they're vampire weekend new Yorkish, some like, yeah well, some northeast northeast w- but like they're both rich. technically in like northeast yes. right but like like this idea of like middle class like lower middle class angst as of, of an age group that is more i was listening to something um the other day last night maybe and it was talking about like how though barack obama was yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> no, that's fine. Yeah, I have no, I,
0: I no clue where this is going. I'm so excited to see where okay, this ends cool. up.
1: cool. Um, like Barack Obama did something really smart, but and then in, in, in a way, like history will show, will will have fucked him over, which is that he got young people very very excited about his election and like being elected and him being the first black president and all this stuff in 8 Um, and then. Fucked over the young people once he got into office, which he did like he really kind of ended up being like more of a middle down the line type of guy and kind of going pro bank and in scenarios where he shouldn't have and like being pro, you know, pro the system more than people thought he was going to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of happening after the economic crash (laughs) um, kind of thrusted kind of young people into this weird kind of idea of like we're fucked. Mm-hmm. And, like, Vampire Weekend didn't do that. And, like, all of, like, the emo music and all of, like, My Michael Romance and all that stuff had already passed. Like, Green Day had already passed. And I think, like, there was, like, this thing about the front bottoms that felt fresh and fre- felt new, but also you're just, like, oh yeah, me and my friends are all kind of fucked and we're all kind of sad and we don't know what we're doing and also we have no money and our parents have no money and I don't know what to do.
0: Well, and sonically, it was a perfect storm. This record came out in in 2013, right? You know, May 21st, 2013. So we're kind of in the summer of that. And we've talked about in the show previously of the emo revival of 2014 and these bands like Modern Baseball and Joyce Manor and Sorority Noise and, and whatever band of the scene you latched onto, the Front Bottoms, I've always felt like, or maybe a step removed from that, that for whatever reason they weren't one of those bands. And it could honestly just be that they weren't from Philadelphia because most of those bands were Philly bands. But they were a huge catalyst in sparring a movement that if you don't, if you weren't there, it's not even a blip on the radar, like you don't understand it. But at least for me, I that is when I got into all of this music and I was experiencing this. And for the first time in my life, a lot of things were happening where I was starting to become very aware of my emotional vulnerability and how I wanted the world to perceive me. And I was, uh, I, I tell people, and I don't say it as a joke, but I tell people that I didn't really have friends until I was 16 because I look back at all of my relationships before then. And they were all very unhealthy and I was being mistreated by a lot of different people. And then around the time that I turned 16, which is the same time that I started to get into a lot of this music, I don't think it's a coincidence that I realized I had value as a human being that wasn't necessarily not being appreciated because that makes it sound like I'm putting myself on a pedestal and I'm not. No, it doesn't. But I realized that I started to surround myself with people that genuinely cared about me and it made me... Rescope and kind of change the way I was living my life to where uh, I felt like things were worth doing, and I I wanted to be able to leave the house and not cripple in anxiety. And uh, it just so happens that the front bottoms more than any other band became the soundtrack to my personal growth, and they still are.
1: Right, and I actually think for me the same thing, which is as much as I do love this album they they had like an ep and stuff out before this yes that i also you can't find anywhere anymore like you can only find it like through like illegally downloading it which i have all of their music still um so i own it is what i'm trying to say nice. i legally downloaded it nice. and when i was in high school <laughs> come after me fbi i yes. dare you which
0: that real quick the front bottoms have a weird lineage of album history because some people will say this is the fourth record in the Front Bottoms catalog. I say it's the second because they released two records, I hate my friends and my grandma versus pneumonia, yep. but those were self-released and they're good though. They're very good, but purely digital self-released. I start the lineage with their self-titled record because that was the first one that came out through a label and was distributed and in a more I don't want to say legitimate because that puts down DIY artists, but Right. but it was, a, it was it was it was a real album. Yeah.
1: I hate I hate my girlfriend I hate my... I hate my friends. I hate my friends. I, I promise I know their music. Um, <laughs> Guys, I'm a real fan, I swear. I swear, swear. <laughs> I swear. Um, I hate my friends, I, I think, as much as I love this album, I think I Hate My Friends is actually probably my favorite album of theirs. That's
0: a very hot take. It that's is. A, that's a purist take. That is something that I will only see uh, deep in the archives of r backslash the front bottoms. Yep. Yep. That is a Reddit-level hot
1: take. I just think, I, I think it's because it's so pure of an album, like, and not... Anyone who knows me also knows that like my music taste uh, skews not anywhere near this. Really,
0: that's what I wanted to know. Was um, kind of what are you what are you listening to uh, other than the front bottoms at this
1: time or just in general? Give me at this time. At this time, um, my music taste has was exactly the same as it is now, basically, um, and has as it's always been because um, it's mostly like old uh, classic music, classical music, not classic, but like. Uh, Um, like Billy Joel, which is an album I actually wanted to talk about originally was a Billy Joel album, um, called Glass Houses and let the record show, Nathan changed his mind. I, I did not make him change his mind. I did change my mind. I, it was like, oh, no. You know what I should talk about? The Front Bottoms. Because me and Kits both love The Front Bottoms. <laughs> and a good choice by you. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is what... I feel... I was like, oh, man. You really messed up by saying Billy Joel's Glass Houses. <laughs> so was like, it's not 88. Like, you can't just be like, I want to talk about this classic college album, Glass When you Houses. When you sent
0: me that message, I, it, it took me aback a little bit. I was like, hmm.
1: Okay. I mean, yeah.
0: I'm okay with it, but...
1: but Weird, weird choice. Well, see, that's the thing: is that all of my music taste is really old, and not like because I think old music is better music, but it's just the music I grew up on. Mm-hmm. Like, I have three tattoos. Um, one of them is a Jimmy Buffett tattoo. Like, I have a actual Jimmy Buffett tattoo on my body. Okay. Before we go any
0: further, yes, I need you to explain how and why.
1: Okay. So it's actually sweet and sentimental so no one can be shit for it but there's a song called jolly mon sing it's a lesser known uh jimmy buffett song it's a deep cut you're a real fan it's a deep cut uh and it's a deep cut but also he wrote a children's book him and his daughter i believe wrote a children's book based off this song but i've known this song my entire life because my grandmother loves jimmy buffett and my mom loves jimmy buffett so me and my sister loved jimmy buffett and there's a line in it about um the jolly mon gets guided by orion's lucky stars and so I have a Ryan's belt on my, on my arm, on my left bicep. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Um, the bicep. Yep. The bicep. And it's three, it's a Ryan's belt, but it represents my mother, my sister and my grandmother. So it's actually kind of sweet <laughs> no one can give me shit about it. All right. All right. Tattoo number two. Yeah. And tattoo number two, oh, tattoo number two is a, um, it's a dagger. And a bow and arrow. No, it's just a bow. Not an, No, it's just an arrow. It's not a bow. It's an arrow. It's your tattoo, not I, mine. I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just freaking out. I'm looking <laughs> at case like, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's uh, a dagger and an arrow. And it's based off of uh, Dungeons & Dragons campaign, also known as Critical Role, uh, which if you know me at this point, you know I'm, I talk about it all of the time in the last six months. Um, but I got that one because it's from the first campaign, and there are twins on that campaign named Vex and Vax. And me and my best friend both love that show, and we identify with those characters very, very heavily until we got the tattoo together. And then the third tattoo is, it says, it's on my wrist. It's on my left wrist, and it says I-A-F-Y. And when we took Foundations 2— Which is
0: a Columbia College, Chicago class. Yes. Nathan
1: Nathan and I are so ingrained in the
0: lingo of art school that, you know, we just just throw out Foundations Uh, 2. Foundations 2. Comedy
1: Foundations 2 with Jen Ellison who is a professor. Who, who I- I is my
0: number one at trying to get her on the podcast oh, right now. Oh, that'd be so good. I'm going to I'm gonna coerce
1: her into it. I- hey, Jen, if you're listening, <laughs> please come on this <laughs> podcast. I don't know what music you talk about, but I need to know, <laughs> and so I need you to come on. Also, you're the reason why I got this th- third tattoo, which is during clowning, a big part of the process was being like it's all like it's all for the audience but also more importantly it's all for you like what you're doing is for them but it's also all for you and so I got IAFY on my wrist facing me saying it's all for you because it was at a point where I was like we're going to talk about this as well Nathan has mental issues (laughs) they're not like super bad but like I'm in my head a lot I'm rather depressed and I have adhd which i know people give like a people a lot of shit about but like it turns out like there's a lot of other things that kind of go with adhd and like depression and anxiety is one of them and so like i have a bunch of mental stuff and like realizing that comedy as much as it i get in my head about it being for everybody else and remembering that it's all for me as well is very very important uh because i forget and then i stop doing stuff because i'm like i can't do this anymore it's 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 too much pressure doing stuff for everybody else um so so I have It's All For You tattooed on my wrist as well. Those are my three tattoos. Those are all beautiful, but I don't know why we started talking about that. Uh, <laughs> I forgot I was talking that. about Jimmy Buffett. I was talking about like all the music I like. You were I talking like. about
0: the music you like. About um, halfway through, I was like, this is great, but You asked why- me about the second tattoo.
1: I was only going to tell you the Jimmy Buffett tattoo, and you asked me about the second one. I was like, I'll tell you all of I my tattoos? These are, these
0: are great, but why is Nathan talking about this? <laughs> I'll
1: tell you about all three of my tattoos, I guess.
0: So Nathan, you like uh, older music. I like
1: older music, and... And the Front Bottoms is the first band that I found on my own. Okay. Which is really difficult for me. It's like to think about and process because like I liked Kate Nash and like things like that, like that type of music when I was younger, but also my mom like kind of showed me that music. But the the front bottoms were like the first thing I found on my own. And it was like between like my sophomore year of high school when I found the front bottoms and And that was like a crazy time for me because I was going through some other, like some body dysmorphia type stuff and like all like gender nonsense and all of this, all of this. And so I was like, what? Cool. I'm now going to officially start my angst phase. (laughs) And then I found the front bottoms and then my life didn't get, my life got better. And it's like not at this, it happened at the same time, not because of. And it's just this album itself is such a soundtrack to that, um, and it's just great, and I love it. And but yeah, n- the majority of the music that I listened to at the time I found this was, was just a whole bunch of old music, and um, the front bottoms were like one of the first bands that I found on my own. But it's also kind of one of the only bands I ever really found on my own, like other than like not much of my music sense has changed. Like any other music, like any other band in that genre, no idea who they are. People keep telling me to listen to modern baseball. No idea who they are. Oh, you gotta get in on that. People love to tell me about modern baseball.
0: Right up your alley.
1: No idea who they are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like And then I'm like, they broke up apparently. So like and people are still really sad about it. Crushed. And I'm like, sure. Actually devastated about it still. I'm like, almost four
0: years after the fact, I'm crushed about it. Well, the Front Bottoms, Talent of the Hawk, it came out on May twenty first, twenty thirteen. I don't remember listening to it on its release day, but I definitely know that in this time frame was when I started listening to the Front Bottoms. I know I got started with their first record, and then this came into my life at some point, and let's hear the first track, opening track on Talent of the Hawk. This is Au Revoir. You
2: know what I think's really sad. I know how really sad you are.
0: kicks off the album. It's a very short song. It's the shortest on the record. It goes just under two minutes, and uh, Brian Sella, the lead singer, simply said, uh, there's a great commentary track to this uh, that that goes along with this, which is the band, I'm assuming in a similar setup we're in, where we're huddled around microphones in a very small room, but Brian is going, in this song, man, I just... I just felt like writing it. Like, this song just was nice and cool. It's not the most in-depth album commentary I've ever heard, but he notes in this song that he wanted to experiment with different languages, and this was the best way to do that. I find it to be a fascinating opener, not necessarily because it's a great song, but I think it is a great table setter of what's to come. Nathan, how do you feel about the opener?
1: I love this song. You're going to hear me say this every single song. But I love this song. Um, I we'll say goodbye to someone, and go, au revoir, and then I go, you probably don't know what that means, but I'll say it to myself, and they'll go, what, I know what I know French, I'm like, no, I know, I, this, this line has been ingrained in my brain for years now, I'm sorry, I can't help it. It's the like, only it's thing just... I think of
0: when I hear that phrase, Taylor Swift had a tweet recently where she said it, and the only thing I think was like, is Taylor Swift listening to the front
1: yeah. bottoms? and then, cause like, it's, and it's still. I did listen to the commentary album, but it was really hard to listen to uh, because I'm not very good um, at listening to things on their own. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really good at like watching things and listening to them, but I'm not really good at listening to things on their own. And so this idea of him talking while music playing, my brain went no 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 <laughs> no 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 no, no. <laughs> and like this static and steam came out. <laughs> and so but so like the fact that like this is his reason like the reason for this song is to like mess with language but the what he messes with is the idea of saying adios <laughs> and arabic is this like like he only used two words <laughs> but he's like i really want to i'm really trying to figure out a way to like make language a part of my music and i'm like sure man like and, uh,
0: like i said they do not pretend to be elitist they are not vampire weekend no. they know what they are
1: see i'm going to do a quick thing of vampire weekend, vampire weekend real quick Go off king which is I fucking love Vampire <laughs> Weekend. Like, legit, like, I also have been told that I get, like, East Coast vibe from people. I can And that. I think it's because, like, I talk too much sometimes, and I say things like, Obama's 2008 <laughs> <laughs> election is the reason why <laughs> front bottoms exist. Um, and so, uh, so I get, like, but, like, I also, like, I get it. They're, like, they're elitist in, like, this way of, like, they're just, like, Upper upper you know, upper East Side rich white kids Like making music about what they know Which is like good for them At least they're not Eminem pretending You know what I mean What well, a heavy shot at <laughs> Eminem
0: off the bad name. Yeah. I think it's time we move on It's the day after the Oscars I'm
1: sorry <laughs> This is track 2 this is Skeleton
2: I walk around like a skeleton Last night trying to find my way
0: If we really want to keep on hitting the Obama in 2008 point home, I really feel like uh, the line, who was I kidding? I can't get past you. You are the cops. You are my student loans. Thank you. That's, I guess we're hot off the heels of Occupy Wall Street at this time. Yeah, that a little felt bit. Uh, uh, strangely political for a front-bottom song, even though I don't necessarily think those were their intentions.
1: I, I'll i say this. I think. I think the front-bottoms are political. Um, I don't think they are political in, like, a meaningful way. Okay. But I think they're political in that idea of, like, they have rage about the system being fucked up in whatever way, but it affecting them on a local level and not, on, like, a global level. Like, because it's easy to be, like, upset and be like, fuck climate change, which is true. Fuck climate change. We need to be doing stuff about it. But it's also, like, sometimes we forget that, like, we give... <laughs> We give, like, the Midwest and, like, like, downtrodden areas that are, like, you know, uh, non-areas of people of color or whatever, like, a lot of shit for, like, being upset about how, like, things go and, like, you know, farmers and shit, depending on who you are liberally in that kind of zone. But I think, like, when you forget that, like, shit actually has an effect on, like, local level stuff and, like, that anger kind of, like, builds in weird ways, this is the type of music that you get. Which is, just like, you're upset, and you're angsty, and you don't know why, but you know everything's kind of just messed up, and you can't, like, put it into words other than, like, you know, Skeleton. Or, like, any, like, or any other, like, one of their songs, honestly. Except for, like, we'll get to it later, but Peaches is, like, different. Like, that's kind of, like, a different kind of genre for them. Like, it a different kind of mode for them song-wise, I think. But, um, Skeleton for me is just, it's just another banger, but it's also just, like, one of those... Out of, like, I feel like skeleton. You could cry to, if you needed to. Like, that's one of those angry cries. Like, if you really needed to, I feel like skeleton is like one of those where you're just like, you're doing the thing where you're like, you're raging to it, but all of a sudden you start crying.
0: Not one of my cry songs. On it's the not record. one of mine either. I don't, I don't. I don't. really have one on this record. You but it wouldn't be on the short list of like. I don't think I could shed a tear to this.
1: Do you? I. But I mean, like, not like a sob, sad song, but I mean, like, an angry, like, release song. Does that make sense? Do you cry when you're angry? Do I cry when I'm actually I think I do. Um I I get angry more than I get like any other main emotion. Yeah. Um, which isn't healthy, uh, by the way. So don't do that, people. Um, but like, um, it's kind of my main go to. And like when I get very, very angry where I'm like just like kind of like distraught angry, that's kind of when I start crying. But I'm also not a crier. Oh. So I do... you are blessed with that. No, it's not a blessing. It is that is majorly A thing that I taught myself. Okay. Yeah, and it's a very not healthy thing. But I did. I have as a kid and even now I use um inter like media, like music, musicals, TV shows. Like like in then a non joking way, but like legit musicals because it's like a weird thing of like putting like a like song to your emotions in a mm-hmm. way that i never really experienced and i think that's why musicals were like a big jump for me cuz i also got into musicals in high school as well um of like oh i can cry to this cuz it's it's i'm separating myself from it like the emotion's still the same but the i can separate it from myself so it's actually not me being upset it's me being like oh i connect with you not oh i'm feeling something and i feel like this this album is another example of me going oh you're I can I feel this in a way that I've never kind of felt before and I think Skeleton is one of those songs that I was like you get like you get hit by wind like one of those I think Skeleton was like one of the first hit by wind songs that I've ever like experienced on my own Yes. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that entire verse. That whole, like, I know it's technically only, is it technically the second verse? Would technically considered the second verse? What? Which exact verse are you referring oh, to? Oh, I'm referring oh, okay, swear to God. Uh, oh, and there's something, I'm reading it from my phone. Um, And there's someone out there just like me, probably keeping to themselves. I know CPR. I know mouth to mouth. When your leg- legs give in and your lungs give out, I will blow air into your open mouth. Maybe I can spit this game all day. Except for that last line. What the fuck, dude? Yeah, so that is... I
0: would consider that the chorus. This is the third song. This is Swear to God, the devil made me do it which for a long time was the working uh, title of this album. Yeah, The record ended up being called, that. The record ended up being called Talent of the Hawk and here's why. This is a quote from lead singer Brian Sella. He says, I have this thing with pocket knives. I think they're kind of cool. I was sitting in the van and I drew this pocket knife. My girlfriend and I were watching Twin Peaks and there was this police officer on the show that's called Hawk. I thought that was a badass nickname, so on the picture with the pocket knife I wrote underneath it, Talent of the Hawk just because it popped into my head and I thought it was kind of cool. As it was getting close to the time we to make a decision on the album name I found the picture with the pocket knife that I had drawn in the van coming back from recording I just said the name and everybody kind of just agreed and that's how it came up or that's how we came up with it so they decided against swear to god the devil made me do it as the name of the album but we ended up getting a track here Nathan just read the lyrics of the chorus which for me this song I love this song which I will right, we'll say it after every song we love I think I at least for me I love all the songs on this record um It is the Front Bottoms at their most front-bottomest. I understand why, if you're not in love with this band, if you don't totally get the vibe that they're going for, why this song might annoy you. Because it It's a lot to take in of, you know, uh, maybe using CPR as a metaphor. We're saving somebody's life. Are we kissing? Are we sad? What is it? There's a lot happening in this song, but I'm
1: all about it. I... (sighs) Dude, I'm gonna keep saying it this way. And you know like, that's what I know I'm serious is when I start saying dude too much. <laughs> Cause I don't dude. know dude, because I don't know how to connect. <laughs> so I'm just like, dude, you don't understand right now, okay? <laughs> and this is me like slightly sobbing. Um But this uh, I don't know how to explain it. Cause it's just a kind of like it's like a pure emotion that I, I think that I finally allowed myself to feel around this time, and that's why this album's such a big deal to me. Um But this song's so good. Also, who starts off a song with Space Age Crystals? Like, what a... Like, you're setting up a story, and it's, like, really good. Um...
0: There's a reason that there are pictures on the internet of like front bottoms lyric generators of just like if you put a girl's name next to an eighties toy with an adjective, like that sounds like a front bottoms lyric because Oh yeah, it, it does. It that's really good. Does. that's a good joke. That's a good joke. I like that one. That's a good
1: bit. That's funny. <laughs> it
0: really does. And it's why with this song I, I go back and forth on my my love of this song because there are times where I hear this and I'm like oh, this is the best song on the record. And then it's weird, in the week that I was listening to this, preparing for the show, which it was such a pleasure to listen to this with a purpose instead of just having it on like I always do, but right. it was like, oh, no, I'm doing something yeah. now. But it was a song that, for whatever reason, didn't resonate with me as much, and I think that's because I I began to build this narrative, which I think is accurate of, like, this is not the song you want to show people if they don't know the front bottoms and you're trying to get... Uh, that person into them just because it is it is them at their most it is a very excessive song with what they are striving for
1: i think for me the most disappointing thing about this song and this entire album is that it doesn't hit the same anymore like i'm like oh this is like an album of my youth like, which is so bizarre to think of, because it was like what five years ago? Yes. Not even more, well. Well, oh, yeah, wow. I guess closer now, almost seven. Seven, yeah. seven years ago, and I'm just like, oh, this is weird. I don't like that. But it's such an odd thing to like, like, like I don't like if I found the front bottoms today, I would not care.
0: Very interesting. And it's upsetting. I think it's <laughs> interesting that you that you note that maybe some of these songs don't hit differently. I think this next song. Is one that will continue, it (laughs) it will continue to resonate for generations to come. This is the fourth song. This is Twin Size Mattress.
2: This is for the lions living in the wiry, broke down frames of my friends' bodies. When the flood water comes, it ain't gonna be clear. It's gonna look like mud. But I will help you swim. I will help you swim, I'm gonna help you swim. This is for the snakes and the people they bite, for the friends I've made, for the sleepless nights, for the warning signs I've completely ignored. There's an amount to take, reasons to take more. It's no big surprise you turned out this way.
0: Many reasons that this song
2: is going
0: to live on forever, perhaps none more realistic than the fact that if you create a Spotify playlist and you have a sense, a hint, a sprinkle of pop punk in that playlist... Spotify is going to recommend mm-hmm. this song for your playlist. They're going to recommend Your Graduation by Modern Baseball, which you it. don't know, but you would love. <laughs> and they're going to recommend Constant Headache by Joyce Manor. Those seem to be don't three. Don't know that song either. And also, know? one, that kind of – it's on the cusp of always being a recommendation, but Using by Sorority Noise is also one of those. And if you're – a woman 18 to 24 listening to this and a man makes you a playlist and he sends you using by sorority noise on that playlist you need to run that is an immediate red flag if he sends you this song maybe also run maybe also run but feel it out a little bit because this isn't an immediate red flag this in the racing world, will be a yellow it's caution
1: It's a, yeah this is, a real, this is
0: a real caution sign but it is a song i mean we we just sat here and listened to it and
1: i almost I, cried <laughs> i was really thinking about it i was like Okay, so a couple things about this song. Yeah. A, amazing lyrics. Incredible. More importantly, the buildup in this song of the drums, uh, uh, even better. Like, that's what I think we're all, like, all of the emotion in this song really comes, actually comes from the instruments, which I think is not interesting because it's, like, a thing that music is supposed to do. Uh, <laughs> it, it is a song. <laughs> it is a song, so it's, it's supposed to happen. But I think, um, I know these boys know how to play their instruments. Like, I understand that they have talent. But this is, like, the first song where you go, oh, okay, they know actually how to play their instruments. They're not just, like, they're not for, you know, kids who found a guitar. their parents, like, instruments, like, in the basement and went, we're going to make a band now. You're like, oh, they know how to practice.
0: I That is a complaint that is hurled at me constantly when this band comes into conversation is, especially among musicians, is, oh, they don't know how to play their instruments, which good especially on their first record if you want to say brian is not an expert guitar player that is fine but i also don't get off on guitar solos it's not something i have any interest in so it has never bothered me on the other hand the drummer matt is a terrific drummer and i really actually don't think that's debatable he is a legitimately great drummer and it it really shines brightly on this song which i I, I complained a few episodes. We did Idol's Joy as an Act of Resistance, which I don't know if you know that record or not. I did not.
1: I did not listen to that episode.
0: I'll that, be real honest. No, that's okay. That's not going to hurt my feelings. Um, But I, I did a whole, I complained about how one of the songs on the record, to me, is exactly what alternative radio was missing and how more stuff like this should be played, which is not a unique issue to me, nor is it a unique issue to this generation that I don't like the songs that are being played on the radio. But this is a song I that do like the songs that are
1: being played on the radio.
0: I like some of them. Oh, Okay but i hear a song like this and i just i don't know what dots weren't connected to make this a mega hit like to oh. me this this is what music should be striving for well
1: yeah i feel like but it's such an easy thing to feel like because not only is this like song not heavily produced Brian the singer yes doesn't know how to sing that well. Like, he's a good singer, and okay. I, mean, I mean it in a good way. I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean, he's like an average singer. And, like, but that's what this music deserves? Yes, like, I, yes this, I'm i very if, like,
0: uninterested in singers that could properly sing. Like if, I, Your voice needs to have some sort of character for me to care at all.
1: If Okay, this is going to sound weird. But if, like, Bruce Springsteen sang this song, I don't have very modern references, guys. I'm sorry. But if, like, I was going to say that, or, like... In sync, no Bruce like, 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 yeah, like either like in sync or Bruce Springsteen, and this is why I'll use them both is because they both have very specific voice styles, right? One's a boy band, one's a seventies rock icon, icon, god, god, if you will, <laughs> but like it wouldn't, it's not, it's, it's not a standard, like you know what I mean? Like it's just such a specific voice you have to have to sing the song and make it work, and I think the front bottoms do a really good job of having okay sounding voices in a good way because it's like above average like they're still good singers they're just not like you're not like oh I want you to sing to me all of the time and they're also like their instrument playing isn't like the best because it's not about that this is a band that really I feel like is about the lyrics and like the raw emotion that kind of comes with singing those songs um Another person I could describe it to as is like Hobo Johnson. That's a real person.
0: That Hobo Johnson's a real person. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha!
1: <laughs> they do a song called Scones.
0: They do. Ha I'll take your word for that. I, well, one of the... Well, I, I guess my final note on the song, if there is, is we talked, I think, earlier about how we got into this album uh, sophomore, junior year of high school, yep. somewhere in that it's time summer. frame. Yep. And uh, it is an album that... Definitely speaks towards young people, although I don't think it is exclusively meant for the 16- to 22-year-olds of the world. The line, I want to contribute to the chaos, I don't want to watch and just complain.
1: Obama 2008, just saying. No, here we go. Obama 2008, guys, think about it.
0: I don't necessarily believe in tattoos, and I I would never get song lyrics tattooed on me. I don't like anything enough to get tattooed. I thought the
1: same thing. I was was, not like you're going to change your mind, but just like in the way of like, I was like, I'm never going to get a tattoo because like, I I don't want to do that. It doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't feel strongly about anything enough to do it. And then I started getting tattoos and I'm going to get another one and it's going to be a NASA one because I love NASA, but it's just a weird, this is also a band where I was like, this is one of the first reasons I was like, I'm going to get a tattoo is the front bottoms. I I wanted
0: to contribute to the cast. I don't want to watch and just complain. Is is tattoo worthy? If that's your thing, I do. I see a ton of pocket knife tattoos when I'm at shows. Like the album cover that has been tattooed onto so many people our age.
1: I almost got it too.
0: It is like, and I fully. I love pocket knives. That's the well. I don't. I uh, knives terrify me. Really. You can cut yourself. It, I don't like that. It, it bad. It hurts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm not into that. Um. It. It like in any context. Like I don't want to be like chopping anything. And like, out like it, I'm not into that. So knives. you don't cook? Oh God, no. Okay. No, please okay. don't look in my freezer to see all of the uh, microwavable options I have what, to consume. What do
1: you do? What are your microwavable options?
0: Uh, I like the pizzas. I like the devour meals. A lot of has kind of become the front really? runner. Yeah. I'm not proud of it. I just have to accept it. Mine are
1: the Marie Calendars. Um, Interesting because I really because they're all like homey foods, but the, the two are like the pot pies and like the uh, fettuccine alfredos that you can. I recently really saw. Good. I I saw that those are really last good. Last time was
0: at the grocery. That looked good. They're good. But there is Sorry. something. There is a call to action on this song that is going to stick with people for a long time, yeah. and it's something that, uh, for whatever reason, really resonated with me at the time in terms of just trying to evolve as a human and get better, and it's something you know. Like like we just realized, you know, it's not even four or five years after the fact. We're now talking six or seven years after the fact. It's still a line that sticks with me in a way, and it's very moving. And then amazingly, they follow up this this epic, this incredible journey of a song, and then we transition into a song called Peach, which has a bit of a different vibe to it. Peach, man.
2: You are my peach. You are my plum. You are my earth. You are my. All of your fingers, all of your toes, the back of your head, the tip of your nose. And you are the reason I'm smiling when there's nothing to smile about. Yeah, you are the reason I'm smiling when there's
1: nothing to smile about.
2: Nathan,
0: without assuming sexual orientation. Oh, please assume. I'm so curious. What do you assume? I assume there's a lot of different elements going on there. Ooh, skating the
1: question. Just, no, I
0: just feel like Nathan is uh, bringing on uh, whoever whoever wants a piece of, of that. piece of that sweet meat. Oh, that sounded gross.
1: Did not like.
0: Uh, you ever courted somebody with a song? Have I ever what? Courted somebody with a song. I... <laughs>
1: This is actually good. I'm glad you asked this question, because here's a couple things. A couple things about Nathan. Um, uh, as you've heard already in this episode, I'm not really good at expressing emotions in a normal human way. So far, so good. Okay, so good. Good to hear. Um, my This is not a song that was used on this, but a girl... This song, A, is such a good breakup song to listen to. Okay. It like it, You think it's not, but then you're like he's talking about like her finding someone better than him and like finding someone who will actually love him love her like she's deser- like deserve do you not listen to the No lyrics? i guess
0: i guess i do
1: i Okay. It's a double-edged sword, this All right, song. no, that's... It's, this song could go like, oh, I'm not good enough for anybody. Try it. No. Yeah. Like, or I'm perfect for everyone. Please love me. You um,
0: say double-edged sword. I say it could be a multi-tool pocket knife, this song.
1: You don't like pocket knives, though.
0: I don't like pocket knives. Not crazy about swords either. But anyway, so breakup Anyways, song.
1: it's I consider it a breakup song. But more importantly, um, my... I had... I ended up... I only did, didn't... I didn't date that much in high school. Um, But the girl I ended up dating my senior year of high school... A, she has a tattoo of a plum or a peach, can't remember which one, on her arm. And her best friend has a picture, has a tattoo of the opposite uh, one of those fruits because of this song. Um, but I got her into this band and when we were in high school, and also in high school, to pr- 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 prompose, if you will. Yes, Prom- to prompose. Prompose. I made a... Sh- I made a playlist... That had, in between it, like, me talking. So, like, a radio show. I made, like, this 30-minute radio show. That sounds Uh, like homework, quite honestly. It was. It sounds like you gave her homework. I kind of, but it was, like, it was easy listening. It (laughs) wasn't, like, it wasn't a lot. Um, But I basically made her this whole playlist of all these songs on it. Not a lot. It was, like, five or six songs. But they were all, like, prom-themed. But I kept telling her I wasn't going to ask her to prom, just to be a dick. Classic. (laughs) Um, but I was like, at the end of it, I was like, uh, oh, yeah, Um, for, I forgot. At this point, I might as well just ask you, since you listened to this entire thing, will you go to prom with me? Um, This girl, who I still adore to this day, is like, this song was for her for a very long time. Like, not, like, before we started dating. Like, it was a before we started dating song, because I was just like... Uh, they understand me. They they know her too. They feel about her the way I feel about her even though it's creepy for them to do it because she's under 8. But not for me. <laughs> it's legal for me because we're both under 18. But this song is just... It's so different from their normal stuff but this is also the reason why I think they get so much shit. Why is that? Because this is like... This is like their their first song on the album and like their second most popular song. Like this and tw- Twin Size Mattress and this song are like their top two songs. And if you like one of these songs and it's like the first song that you get introduced to to them by, people tend to give you shit for like liking them. If they they're like, Oh, you only like twin size mattress, blah 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 blah. Very, like, fuck you, very I can elitist, like whatever yes. yeah, I can like whatever fucking music I want. Yeah, nice try. But this song is like that other song of theirs that people like they only talk about girls and they always they're only, they're only like this which they are but they have versions of it and it's the, all it, real yes. nice it's all real nice and good i want to hear the next song santa monica
0: because it will it, this discussion we just had i have
2: similar opinions about santa monica ooh i wish we were
0: Um you mentioned Peach was a breakup song and it got me uh digging deep into uh some former Spotify playlist. Oh no. And um so Nathan, things uh went from being in a relationship to being single uh over this most recent summer. It was a drastic shift in my life that I was unprepared for And one of the copic mechanisms that I used was watching Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist one day. Dude. What a movie.
1: Uh, (laughs) It's one of my favorite movies, and it's so sad. So
0: there is a scene at the Uh. beginning of Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist where Michael Sarah approaches his ex-girlfriend and hands her a mix cd and he just quietly says like i think this will be the last one of these and then she looks at it and it's a mix cd that says road to closure volume 12 (laughs) and she oh dude (laughs) which i think is one of the funniest jokes ever made so naturally i made my own road to closure volume 12 and santa monica found its way onto the playlist found Found its way onto the playlist because this was in the stages of grief. I was very much in denial at this point and was I, – I have always connected to uh, the lines in the song of uh, I want you to listen from the kitchen uh, to me confessing on the couch. I want to be stronger than your dad was for, for your, your mom. mom, which is a mind-blowing song lyric of – even if your parents are together and have a good relationship like mine do, that is just something. Congrats, that, <laughs> I know. I go to this school and I've got a healthy relationship with my parents. I feel like the wow. outlier. <laughs> but it is it, something shocking to me just to, to hear those words and to hear that phrase and that idea come to life is always something that has stuck with me. I also once listened to, listen to the song while walking on the Santa Monica Pier. Fun fact.
1: Wow, look
0: at you! I know I'm so a,
1: cool. I'm living a pretty good life, Nathan. Um, yeah, that line, "I want to be stronger than your dad was for your mom," um, uh, burns my soul. Uh, because as I have mental issues, I also have parental issues. Uh, <laughs> I know we're shocked at this that, point.
0: That that rhymed though. That kind of sounded cool.
1: Well, I said I rhymed issues with issues.
0: Well, you rhyme mental with parental. <gasps>
1: I'm a fucking wordsmith. (laughs) Oh, my God. I didn't even notice. (laughs) Okay, so you have parental issues. (laughs) I have parental issues, mostly um, with my dad, then my mom. Um, But just also, like, I come from a family of parental issues, um, from the... There's the maternal side and there's the paternal, paternal side. Uh, from the paternal side more than anything else. Um, but also that, like, that theme of, like, wanting to be better than your, like, your parents and but also wanting to be better than your father in particular, I think kind of is a big thing for men, I want to say. But I could be wrong. Well, I, no, I understand. Um, I at least understand I mean. where like, you're coming like from, it's yeah. A, it's a, like, because, you know, dads are can be weird. Um, and, But that line, every once in a while, I'll think about it and it's like... You know those, that the meme, I guess is what they're called. Of the, not like that, but it's the old guy, the old guy that kind of bends down, like, of the heart attack. Sure. I don't know if it's a gif or a meme. That's why I went, that's why I said it the way I did. Okay. Um, not because I don't know. Okay. Old
0: guy holding his heart. Now, give yeah, me what's the he content. Does, he
1: does like, he does like the heart attack. It's like one of the infomercial ones where, like, yes. he has a heart attack. Yeah. It's like he's clutching his chest.
0: They're probably a life alert type deal. Probably. When, yeah. Whatever
1: that one is, that's what happens to me every time that line just, like, pops into my head.
0: I gotcha you. you're, yeah. you're falling over And I'm clutching like, your heart oh,
1: It just kinda hits Real weird sometimes I was so bored For a
2: man
0: It is. I was listening to the song, and I started to begin to think about this idea of the Front Bottoms as a band, and I wanted your insight on this. Of do you think, with the way not off stage, not with their aesthetic, but when you listen to these songs, do you think the Front Bottoms are a cool band, or are they?
1: Uh, too awkward for their own good oh um I don't know because I feel like whatever my answer is is gonna reflect on me more than anything well, else so because, I, that, that, <laughs> is, that is a part of it um, as cool as subjective yeah but no I don't even mean like that because like I think it's both I think this is gonna sound weird because I'm gonna make it about me no, um ahead. for the um 17th time tonight <laughs> um which is I think people really think they're cool like people like people will be like People get mad at me because I don't go out and do shit like that's another that's another like Nathan trope is that I just don't go out and do stuff and people go oh we want to hang out with you you're so cool but then I go I'm not though like I'm just too awkward and weird and it's like a weird projection thing and I think the same thing is true for them which is I think that they don't think they're cool like I think they think they're just like awkward and like introverted a little bit and like just want to make their music and play their songs and have a good time but people are going oh my god these guys are so fucking cool like, they're a cool band because they are a cool band. I just don't think that they, or at the time of this album, didn't respect themselves enough to understand oh. that they were cool or that they had importance to others.
0: A few things of that. One, I think we've got a similar thing going on where when we show up to a place that, like, is, like, a friend of a friend or, like, not – because I think we both, like – probably have our friends that were around most of the time but we like venture outside of that circle and we show up somewhere and people like oh shit
1: nathan's here yeah i got um we and you both i mean i feel like i can mention it by name i don't know what you're about to start the roast
0: oh uh recently there was a roast of a chicago improv team that i am not on which was the subject of many of the jokes that evening that is true it was but you were there i was
1: there and um i showed up i showed up a couple minutes late because um i'm never on time to literally anything. that show started late too and you were still late. yeah I was still late um because I'm super cool I was trying to find a way to stuff three quarters lights in my jacket <laughs> and uh and try not to drink any of them on the train um <laughs> uh and so I showed up and at the end of it uh a lot of people were like you showed up you came you're here I was like yeah yeah I am, yes I get am, that a lot of like
0: I, oh like or, or like a text the next day of like hey man Really cool that you were there. Yeah, really cool. Thanks yeah. for
1: coming. Good I was to like see you. I was like, I know this is meant well. Yes. I know this isn't meant as like a ha ha ha, fuck you, you never come to anything. But the moment one person says it, it's like, Oh, fuck, A, you guys want me to come to these things, so I feel bad now that I never show up. But B. You make me not want to come. That I. If you guys, yes. if you guys would just be like, "Hey Nathan," or just like, "Hey Case," or just like, literally anything other than making it a point to be like, "You never come to anything." Thanks for coming. I would probably. I, I wouldn't guarantee that I'd come more often. That's promising too much. <laughs> but I like the idea but that the I idea would come. The idea that come more i may come yes. more often. Who knows?
0: Yes, I have that with people that I I was around in high school that I still keep in touch with, which is are not many for a reason, but. Uh, the there are still people in my life that were in my life in high school that i probably forced this album onto many many times that still like know a part of me that i, I was much more anxious socially and just a, every aspect of it was much more anxious in high school and if i see those people now like if we go out to dinner i'll still get a text before i go out i like hey man like you're gonna do great tonight. We're so we're so excited to see you. Like don't even like we'll tell the waiter table for three. Nice. Don't even sweat it. And then I'll get home. and They'll be like, hey man, you killed it tonight. Thanks. And when I was 16, it was a good thing to hear. Like yeah. it was a nice confidence boost. But now I'm like, stop. I'm, I'm I, an adult. I, I, like, I'm like, I I first of all I know I killed it. Yeah. <laughs> but also like. We're good. I can talk to people yeah. like we're fine, um, which is just one of those things that, as I was listening to this album kind of intently and trying to think back to who I was when I started listening to the front bottoms, that was one of those things that came up. Was just like heightened anxiety in the front bottoms to go back to this kind of cool versus awkwardness that they, right. this contrast that they have. Like, I look at the front bottoms as a band that are cool. They're they're almost as like cooler than the other side of the pillow vibe to them where.
1: What yes. does that mean?
0: Well, th- they're very awkward and talk about how uncomfortable they are, but I think they use it in a really charming way. Right. I think they're very aware of who they are, and they have this confidence to them that I, and almost a swagger to them that I think is a little undeniable. But the reason that I think this song sticks out so well is they get angry in this song. And yeah. This song builds, and there's some aggression to this song that is certainly absent in Peach, and although there is a call-to-action... In a song like Twin Size Mattress that builds and builds and builds, it's a little it's a little different in the feud. It's a song that really uh, conjures up some sort of emotion because I think it's the best of the front bottoms where they have a song lyric like, You're my girl, you're my baby, you're my homemade mashed potatoes, biscuits, and gravy, which is brilliant songwriting, but they're also tackling something at least very real in their own lives in this song, and they're able to bounce a balance, rather, a coolness and an awkwardness that I just
1: don't think most bands especially in this genre are able to do. Right. And I think that it doesn't it also helps because I just realized this while listening to this song just now, mere moments ago, is that they're building a story throughout this entire album. <laughs> it didn't never cross my mind until just now. What's the, in the in your mind what is that story? I don't not 100% sure, but it it just sounds like the beginning to an end of like an, like a relationship into like an era a life era or a chapter of a book but like you can like you can like the last three songs in particular you can kind of like feel it happening especially like Twin Size this and then Peaches and i like oh no I'm saying them in order, but like all this kind of happening all at once I'm like oh wait he's going through the emotions of being a human being in order right now and it took me us listening this and me going listening to the words again going oh shit
2: yeah the good thing about this is I
0: Funny You Should Ask is track eight on Talon of the Hawk.
1: Nathan, how do we stand on Funny You Should Ask? I have complicated feelings about this song. Okay. And there's one reason and only one reason why. It's a great song. Um. Come on, Chelsea. Speak a little French to me. Um, I heard you spent two whole semesters drinking wine. While I was stuck in Jersey. Trying to save some money. Um. The problem with that line is that my mom's name is Chelsea? Mm. And it's just like one of those songs where you're just like, I really want to connect to this song real hard. I really do, guys. <laughs> like this and the song Chelsea Dagger by the Fratellis. Yes, very different songs. Very that... different songs, <laughs> but both have the word Chelsea in them. And Nathan's brain goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> nope, sorry, cannot compute. <laughs>
0: I love this song. This is it's the a great song. Great song. This is the song that made me go from oh, I like a few of this band's songs, which were probably Flashlight Maps and Twin Size Mattress at that point, point. and then I heard this, and I went, oh, I'm going to listen to everything they have now. This was, whatever hurdle there was, there wasn't much of one, but this is what made me lightly hop over that hurdle into uh, becoming fully engrossed in this band and, and being that way for five or six years now. It's also a song that right when I got into this is when I got my license. And I think the songs that you listen to when you first start driving have a weird sort of permanent connection. And when I hear this song, I, for whatever reason, immediately start to picture my route home from school that I took for two straight years.
1: Yes. Sorry, there's a person in the window and I didn't know if they were staring at us or not. And I wanted to wave real hard and I didn't know what to do. Um yeah no this funny you should ask is one of those drive songs for me it's yeah. one, like this album and in, and in total is a drive song for me drive album if you will but funny you should ask it's just like one of those you're like oh it's summer and the windows are down and I'm driving somewhere and it's just a good song um yeah it is I don't I think because I had this album before I learned how to drive I think when did I I don't remember when I learned how to drive. I think it was after high school. Maybe it wasn't. I don't remember. I don't remember. Okay, no, it's okay. Uh, I remember owning a truck for a very long time. So that's really kind of all that's important in that scenario. Very nice. Um. Uh. But this is, a, this is also one of the songs that I would listen to all the time, but also the girl who I had a crush on, who I went to prom with, but also was my girlfriend at one point in time. We would listen to this album all of the time. Yeah. Because she could drive. And so we would listen to this album. All of the time. Because it was just... And this song is just... I don't know, man. I just... I really love this song, and I love this album, but...
0: You're speaking very positively of it, but you also... You started to crumble there for a second. It was very strange
1: to watch. Because it it felt like... It felt like for about three seconds that I was like, I think I've said the same thing about every one of these songs. No, 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 I, I think And then I panicked that I know nothing about this band no. <laughs> or this album. And then I started thinking about the song Maps. <laughs> that Na- was it. Nathan, let me,
0: <laughs> let me give you some reassurance real quick. If you want to hear the words I'm saying, Nathan... I think you're doing a great job on this podcast right now. Oh, thanks, guys No problem, man. Hey, hey, let's let's move on to the next song. Oh, okay? sounds good. Because <laughs> this doesn't have the words Chelsea in it. Oh, thank God. This is Tattoo Tears, and we're going to start with the bridge of Tattoo Tears Ooh. because I find it to be fascinating in a way. This is Tattoo Tears off of Talon of the Hawk. Let's talk about how
2: it fell! Tattoo Tears
0: is the ninth song on the record. It is, uh, given just the drama and the emotional stakes of a lot of the songs on this record, I still point to Tattoo Tears as the most emotional song on the record. And it feels like there is a level of commitment to authenticity, whether it's a personal story that Brian is actually telling or whether it is a narrative that he conjured up—that I do not know—but I know that he really seemed fully committed to exploring this concept, and because of that, every song on this record is great. But I—I I put this in the upper echelon of like, oh my god! Like when Tattoo Tears hits, it really hits. Nathan, how do you feel about this one?
1: Um, I this is probably one of my favorite songs on the album. Uh, it's definitely not my favorite. Um not in a bad way or anything, but there is something about hearing, um, a group of people together scream, this love will never be convenient, that, um, hits different, uh, and that this song has kind of brought a lot of those, obviously, emotions together by the fact that line is in the song, um, I don't know, man, I, I feel like this song hits you differently than it hits me, like, I feel like for you, this is a bit more powerful for you than it is for I, me. I'm
0: often very just uh, impressed by this song. And, it, and it, you know, I could say I'm being moved by, it, but I'm just impressed by the way that this song came together and the way it sounds. I, I think it's a really beautiful piece of
1: music. I do, too. I think. I think as this album goes on, the stronger and stronger it gets. Yeah, it continues to pick up steam, which is weird considering
0: that Twin Size Mattress is the fourth song on the record and they're able to build
1: off of that. Right, and I think that's where it comes with the idea of like they are telling a huge story with this album um, in a way that you're not... Because it's one of those things where, like, you can pick the album apart song by song and, like, just kind of place the songs whichever way you want, and the album would still be good. But I think just the way that it's all placed in this way where this song hits, because what, we have, like, three songs left on the album? Yes. Like, this is, like, kind of really where the album peaks. It kind of goes down from here, but not in a bad way, but just, like, in a, hey, this album's about to end kind of way, I feel like. And I'm like, this is, this song has so much pure emotion in it and it's kind of I think I said this about a song earlier, but I think this might be the raw the rawest song. And it's the most well produced song.
0: That is uh, you did not say that earlier. At least I don't believe so. I agree. Okay. And there's three songs left in the album. Let's get to them. This is Lone Star Track 10 off Talent of the Hawk.
2: says Hey, Brian, if you still believe in the Lord above, get on your hands and knees and pray
0: for us. Nathan, when we saw the Front Bottoms at Neat 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 Records uh, two summers ago, they were playing Crowd requests because it was a small acoustic show and they didn't want to play the songs that they had been touring with. Correct. And somebody shouted out Lone Star and they played it and that was very exciting for me because I really love this song and I was really appreciative of the fact that I was able to hear this from a few feet away
1: yeah this song conjures up a lot of emotions for me um this feels like a very catholic song to me (laughs) um (laughs) yeah um this is a very catholic song to me and it hits that way um it's the if you still believe in the Lord above part, as you can tell. But um,
0: well, that's that the chorus of this, which is, yeah, you know, hey Brian, if you still believe in the Lord above, get on your hands and knees and pray for us. That's really all. The, that's yeah. the only chorus that really exists in the song, and it's something that the first few times I heard it, it kind of blew my mind because it's so simple and short and. Although it's an impactful message, I almost feel like it's subtle in a way of yeah. just like, oh, that's okay. That's what that's what they're going to keep repeating. Yep. And it has I I I love this song. I I just I
1: think the world of it. And I know the song is about uh about a guy who gets a girl pregnant and like he has to stop everything that he was going to do. Um, but I remember listening to this song in 2015. Uh, because I had managed to. Um, not get into Columbia College, Chicago. Yeah, yeah, it's a That's real hard like, thing to do, I and I managed yeah, I to do like, it. I didn't know they did that. Yep. Um, it turns out uh, graduating with like a 1.1 GPA doesn't get you into Columbia College. I thought it
2: did. So did I. Yeah.
1: I was really banking on it, and it turns out it does not at all. As you can tell, like I eventually got in. You're you're in right now. Yeah, I'm here now. So, but um, and I remember that song. Uh, playing. I played this song and I played uh, Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen that night for a very, very long time. Um, <laughs> Sounds like quite the night. It was devastating. But um, that whole the whole mantra of like goodbye, future once so bright. But um, but also I was stuck in my hometown at that point for a really long time, and it was like this idea of like praying to God and like this way of like as a last resort, um, after you know being. A not great catholic for a couple years at that point it was like this song is just like very like you're like oh god Uh oh, okay cool i'm not the only one who's fucked right now but at least we're fucked together even though this song came out two years ago and it hits different than i thought it was going to it's like one of those i love the song
2: i don't see me mad at situations i see me turn and walk away
0: number 11 on talent of the hawk this was a single for the record and i know that because the music video features comedian chris gethard in it and if there it does is, it if, does if there is a comedian that embodies the front bottoms, yes. it is chris gethard yes it is
1: i forgot about that He's... chris gethard oh man i forgot
0: chris gethard oh i love that man Really weirdly influential on my life in a lot of different ways. Yeah, same. Yeah, which is funny to like look back on, even with a little bit of hindsight, of like, oh, a few years ago, like, Chris Gethard was the center of a lot of what I was interested in. That
1: is interesting. That surprises me from you. I know that sounds weird. No. But, like, I'm like that's just not one of the main guys I thought you would, like, attach to.
0: Yeah, you know me and my seller comics. Yeah, you know
1: yeah, I know my... My... you. <laughs> See, I wasn't even going that way. I was just <laughs> saying that this is not one of the, like, I don't know. Because, like, when I think of, like, comedians that you would be into, yeah. I kind of just go, oh, all of them.
0: <laughs> right? I do be loving comedy (laughs) yeah you'd be
1: loving that comedy and but like in a way that's like not historically loving comedy like but like at the same time you like you would like the dudes from the cellar but like (laughs) and unironically but but in a way but in a way that's like endearing like not in a way you're like i'm gonna mention a name and i'm gonna gonna give you a break to cut it out (laughs) louis (laughs) ck And go on. Uh, okay, cool. Um, uh, Like, it's just, like, kind of, like, that kind of group of dudes where you're just like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense that the case would like them. But, like, and then, like, once you found out that they weren't cool, you're like, never mind, goodbye. Uh, kind of. Oh, no. <laughs> so sometimes it's like, wait, wait a minute, sometimes, sometimes it's a bit weird, but, yeah, no, I, but, like, and stuff like that, but, like, I'm going to talk about Chris for a quick minute. Yeah, Chris Gathard, go off. Like, Chris is, like, one of those guys that I really attach yeah. to. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. (laughs) Chris Gethard anxiety, Nathan? Well,
0: uh, yes. I think I attached to Chris Gethard at a a point in my life where I was a little bit more relating to his emotional spectrum. Right. Whereas now, knock on wood, things are going pretty well. Nice. Um I, you know, we all have yeah. our struggles, but I, I... You're not at Chris Gethard level anymore. I'm, I am not at Chris Gethard level Yeah, <laughs> yeah I am anymore. I have been at
1: Chris Gethard level <laughs> since I was
0: three. That is... Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that is terrible. <terrifying>. It's fine. <laughs> I'm used to it by now. But, like,
1: no, like, it's like his mu- his comedy and their music mix so well together that it makes sense that they would be in a music video together. Also, this song um, reminds me of being in high school and having... Finally, it took me until my senior year... I know I'm like in a weird this this album's in a weird spot for me because I started listening to it right as I was starting to get a group of friends, right? Yeah, so it was fine. like ju- yeah, junior junior year was like when I was actually starting to like go, "Oh, shit. People do like me. I can have friends with people. I can But this album also kind of just paralleled that. But but my senior year was a lot of partying um l- drinking, a lot of all of that stuff. You lived it up. I lived it up. As a person who you would not suspect to do so. Yeah. Um, or you would. I don't know. It depends. <laughs> it depends on what you know about me. Um, I wasn't sure if I should disagree or agree either, or. either one works because it's kind of the answer is both. But this song is very much of like that vein of those memories. And it's like one of those songs that if you're like, if you put it in a teen movie, it'd be too spot on. But it would work anyways. Yeah. It's one of those songs, and I really like that song. Also, Very I really like so. Chris Gethard. Really like out. Chris Gethard. And Mike Burbigula. Hold on. The, Mike the, Berbiglia. That one, <laughs> who I've always called Burbig since I was a kid because he calls himself that at one point in time at the beginning of an album or something. Yeah,
0: also his Twitter handle. That too. That. But like,
1: my mom introduced me to him when we were we, yeah i got introduced to a lot of stuff way too early my
0: mom does not know who mike Bigley is yeah my
1: mom was really good at, really into indie comics when <laughs> i was a kid like uh jimmy fallon had a comedy album called off the wall or something jimmy fallon did jimmy fallon had a had a musical comedy album oh no i'm out. um it was the the i remember the cd very well because it was based off the pink floyd album okay um we used to listen to that in the car Really, that and the Mike Mike album, Mike B album. I'm going Mike B from right now, um, because he did a bit and still he doesn't do it anymore about he did a bit about the Iraq War, based on um his, it was all about Wiffle Ball Tony, and me and my sister loved that bit so much we would listen to that album all of the time in the car as well. Fun fact.
0: <laughs> Nathan, uh, thank you for sharing. No problem. Uh, I love a good Mike Birbiglia story. I do find him to be quite funny as well. Backflip is a song that reminds you of when you were young. and The final song on the record, Everything I Own, is a warning for the future
2: about getting old. Let's hear a little bit of that now. Sometimes you get sad when we're together Because you're not sure if you'll miss me well
0: Everything I Own is track 12. It is the final song on Talent of the Hawk. It is, to your point earlier, a fitting conclusion to an album that seems to be stringing along at least some sort of loose narrative of a relationship beginning to end. I think by the end of this song, we have seen the finality of that relationship. Do you you agree with that? I
1: agree, but I think this album more than anything else is about growing. Yeah, well yeah um I think and I know because I know, like, you kind of grow out of relationships but I feel like this is like one of those songs where you're like oh you right I should I should be thinking about this in this way because like me not thinking about it has actually started to ruin relationships and this is just another case of that and it just so happens to be that the relationship that is ruined over the course of this album is a romantic relationship uh, but this is like also I think this is like all the songs still hold up and this album still holds up. But personally, as a, as a thing for me, this is like that song that I'm like, I'm more attached to now than I was in 2013, 2014, 2015.
0: I think that's fair because I, I agree with that idea that this record is about growth in some shape or form. And uh, this is almost a reality check in a sense of like, oh, that's right. I have to have my shit together. If right. things are, if, if things are going to happen professionally, personally, whatever it is, you kind of have to have your shit together. Yeah. And, uh. uh I am I'm currently engrossed in the idea of correctness versus rightness, as it was a concept that was brought up to me last week that has uh, been forcing me to think a lot, because uh, I think I live my life m- more going for correctness, and there's an argument to be made that artists should be striving for rightness instead, but I think this is, in a weird way, a song that reminds me of that, because uh, sometimes the right thing to do... Is to leave, even if it is not necessarily correct or polite. And I think this is a song that kind of touches on that, and it is a fitting conclusion to the album.
1: Yeah, this you're right. Um, I have a big morality issue in life, which that is doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I'm really big on morals. It's like my big thing. <laughs> it's Mor- your brand. It, my like a big thing that I truly, truly care about is being of doing things the moral way or being, being just being moral. I've seen the links you share on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I have a big, I'm got a morality is kind of big. Um, and I think this album pushed that in a weird way, which was like this idea of like, just because you're, just because you're morally right doesn't mean you're right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ah, shit, you can still be morally right and fuck up or think you're doing the morally right thing and be in the wrong and i think this album was like one of those big pushes where i was like a not everything's black and white but b you can be wrong and you have to accept that eventually eventually you have to accept it and fix it because if you don't What's you're gonna be screwed over, man? Like you're gonna be, you're not gonna have anything, and you're not gonna have anybody except for your mom, probably. You know what I mean? Like your mom's always, your mom legally has to stand by you at all times. So (laughs) that is the law. It's the law. (laughs) It's the law of the land. And I think this song is like such a good end to this album. And I think this album is so stellar. And I use the word stellar for the first time, I'm going to say, in uh, 23 years uh, 23 years of the planet. Uh, I think this is the first time I've ever
0: used stellar in a genuine way. Good. Well, at 12 songs and 42 minutes, that is Talent of the Hawk. This is normally the time where I let you know what Pitchfork thought of the album, what Rolling Stone thought of the album, what NME thought of the album. But the thing about Talent of the Hawk, and it's what fascinates me about this record, is I think... 20 years from now, even 10, 15 years from now, we are going to be reading oral histories of Talent of the Hawk, and we are going to be revisiting this album and looking at it as one of the classics. But the fact is, right now, if you go online, there is not a lot that is being said about this record. It was not reviewed by any major publications. Uh, I'm sure, I mean, this is the type of record that at some point will pop up as a Pitchfork Sunday review when they do their classic content. But for now, it is not... In the scope of music journalism in any way, which is so funny to me because this is yeah, I think you're the perfect case study of this. Is this is not really your type of music, but you love this album. I love this album. And I think so as as time goes on and we get further and farther away from that release date, people are going to come to the conclusion. That this is a stone-cold classic, and Ian Cohen, who was my favorite music writer, wrote a review for The Front Bottoms' fourth album, Going Gray, in which he says the following. He says, Whether it's ten years or even sooner, mark my words, the popularity of The Front Bottoms will no longer be treated as a shocking development. The day will come when we'll hear about how their early live shows became the stuff of local legend or how talent of the Hawk defined someone's entire 2013 or it how did. twin size mattress inspired them to pick up a guitar. There are stories to be told about how front, the Front Bottoms became one of the most successful indie rock bands to emerge in this past decade. That is Ian Cohen on the Pitchfork Going Gray review. And I think Ian Cohen nailed it there. He did. We are on the we are do you know the band neutral milk hotel i yes i do okay don't yell at me that was a genuine question i do but i think i like that one album that they have with the lady head exactly thing, that one i we are this is a contemporary example of that where we are just
1: 1979
0: 1998 okay. is when that came no, out no that was
1: gonna, that's the name of the album in the aeroplane
0: over the sea. That's what I was – there's a song – There's a song called Holland 1945. That one's a good song. That song I know. That's a good song. <laughs> it's a good song. Thank you, Nathan. <laughs> um, but I think we are on the the front line of this album becoming something that I truly believe in some way or, or fashion, and who knows with the way media continues to be splintered off into smaller and smaller fractions – what mass consumption of any kind will look like within five years but i think this is something this is an album that at some point is going to become a thing and whether it be uh our kids generation when they enter their art schools i think this is an album that is going to find its way into their record crates or into their MP3 files or whatever they have at that point, that is the way they CDs. consume content. C- CDs will obviously CDs. make a comeback, they're super practical. They um, make no sense. I don't know why anyone doesn't have <laughs> them anymore. I, I think have thousands of them. <laughs> this is an album that is going to stand the test of time, but we have nothing really to compare it to. So Nathan, on a scale of one
1: to ten, where do you rate Talent of the Hawk? Oh. Where do I rate Talent of the Hawk? Uh God, I wanna say a ten, because I think it is a ten. I also think it's a ten, I am I it's obvious that I think it's a ten. I also think it's a perfect album. And I don't I don't completely I don't, agree. I only think that about I, I think I only think that about one other album, which is Graceland by Paul Simon. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep, those are two I think I have no follow up questions there. <laughs> Glass actually Glass Houses by Billy Joel, Paul Simon, Graceland, and Tell of the Hawks by the Front Bottoms, perfect albums. The Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity of albums, I think, are perfect albums. Um I think it's a perfect album. Can I, I, yes. Can I say one last thing about this album please, and this band, please, uh, before we end? We got some time. Go we ahead. do have time. Yes. Okay, because it's like one of the last last things I want to say about it, which is um, this band for me is very very important, and I'm very glad I founded this band. Not founded it. It did I'd sound it like did I said founded it. Sound- <laughs> I did not find it. They're not the reason. What Nathan I, hasn't told you is Nathan uh, produced this
0: record <laughs> and is the manager of the front product. Yeah. No. You found this band. Found,
1: finding this band changed my life. It was one of those things I wasn't expecting um, because every once in a while you hear those things about being a teenager and what it means. And then when you're in it, when you're being a teenager and you're not, you haven't experienced that thing yet, it feels like it's never going to happen. And it happened and it was awesome. And it was great. But was what was weird about it was that I remember the moment that it stopped too, which is the concert. That not that one, but the one the one that you didn't go to. <laughs> the one I got to go to, but you did not. Um <laughs> like I went there that night and I went there with my friends and it was a big thing and they were doing rose and all yeah they were it, that all was, their new stuff they were doing
0: the rose and Anne eps and then they were doing going gray as well yeah they did yes. all that stuff that was, a, that was
1: a good set list it was a good set list i guess uh <laughs> they did <had> some thoughts <laughs> um but that concert that night was surprisingly to me an end of a chapter that i was not ready to I didn't realize was going to end like that was officially kind of the end even though it was already like a year into college kind of like officially the end of my high school years and I so I think kind of listening to this again with you in a college dorm room in Chicago as someone who saw them with me that day is very awesome and weird and nice because it actually kind of gives this album a new meaning for me um because I like this album I like all the previous stuff Not so sure how I feel. Still not sure how I feel about going gray. Uh, There are
0: good songs
1: on going gray. Whether it's a good album is not true. It's not. Uh, um, And the fact that they redid some of their old songs and put it out as new stuff really made me mad. Um, But that's fine. Anyways, (laughs) (laughs) you were were saying nice things about this band I like? Yeah, I was saying nice stuff. Um, Which is, it's just really nice to kind of like have uh, um, that feeling come back, but like not. The super angst of high school but it's just kind of like the calm of adulthood a little bit i know it's young adulthood and it's not real adulthood but it's just kind of nice to like experience experience all of that again what were you gonna say i agree with
0: everything you just said for me it is it is one of the few 10 out of 10 records i have it was my album of
1: the decade i really oh god yeah i think if i actually had to think about it from 2010 to 2019, this also might be my album of the decade. You also have to remember, I don't know any modern that music, true. so it's really not it's like this and like maybe like the Nathaniel Ratliff and the and the Night Sweats album. All right. Yeah, uh, but that's probably it. I maybe think... the Lumineers, the Lumineers <laughs> oh, maybe. Wow, I
0: think this is a masterpiece. <laughs> I love this record. I love this is my favorite band, non Morrissey division. I I want to m- vomit. I think I might actually throw up. I. I love this band. They're my band. I defend them proudly because I really think they are great at what they do. They're a great band. And there is no better record than this record. For me, it is a 10 out of 10. It is an album that I am so glad I have in my life and that I will continue to listen to, and it will continue to evolve with me. And I think that's a really great thing. And now, Nathan, you've kind of already touched on this, but I want to know from you, who needs to hear this album right now?
1: Oh, you know, I don't know, and and I know I had I've I've had time to think about it.
0: That is true. I gave um, you apt time to think about I it. Give
1: me app time to think about it, and I think this sound fucking cheesy and stupid. But I think this is one of those albums that finds you. Interesting. Uh, I think it's one of those things where it's like. You can like the front bottoms all you want. You can like like this genre of music. You can like uh old-time baseball, whatever they're called. What Modern is baseball. Modern baseball. <laughs> the opposite of that. I don't know. <laughs> 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 Modern baseball, Plink-182. I don't know who else is in this genre of music. Sure. Uh, Whatever. You uh, can like those bands. You can like those bands, and you can like all of that but I think this album in particular and the rage that you have and the loneliness that you kind of have to feel to find this album and connect with it on a primal level that I feel like you and I seem to have been in the same situation when we found it um for it to hit that way I feel like you it kind of has to be a surprise um I feel the same way about the book, The Catcher in the Rye. Um,
0: <laughs> oh, that is a separate podcast <laughs> that we will be having. Okay, good to know. Because I think we have the same takes on Catcher in the Rye Which is well.
1: disgusting. <laughs> you should be embarrassed. I should be. I am. Every time someone asks me about who my favorite author is, and I go, J.D. Salinger, they go, really? And I go, yes. And it's not because of Catcher in the Rye, even though Catcher in the Rye is a good book, but read nine stories, guys. Nine stories is also good. But more importantly, I think people need to... Um, I think this album is something that kind of, like, finds you, and it, like, and I mean, you can go look for it, and you can listen to it, but I think you can do that a thousand times, and then, like, you could just be in the right zone, or wrong zone, in a way, and you listen to that album again, and it's a whole other landscape, and I feel like that's true about any one. but so I'm, really, what I'm saying is 15-year-old kids from the Midwest should really be the ones listening to this album right now, because I think it's going to hit just right.
0: I honestly think that is the correct answer, if there ever was one. One could also say it was the right answer, but that is a debate for another time. Nathan? What do you have to plug? What do I have
1: to plug? If anything. If anything, um, as you guys all know, um, if you know me, I don't do anything um, in my spare time. Uh, <laughs> kind of his thing. Kind of my thing. Um, but uh, eventually, sometime soon, I'm gonna plug my own podcast. I'm coming out with a show. Uh, don't know. It's, it's called Something Like a Brother. Uh, don't know when it's coming out. Uh, probably like maybe a month from now. Who knows? Good. Um. But that's a thing that's happening. you going to get me on that? No. I. Here's why, Case. It's about being trans, and I feel like you don't, I don't know if you really, you can be an ally on that show if you want. I don't know if you like how you'd feel. I feel like that's still if your ally of a show to come on and being, realizing that you shouldn't be there. I feel like it would be inappropriate to have me on. Nope. Now you, now that you want to come, you're coming.
0: I feel like it'd be inappropriate to have me on, but I would also jump at
1: the opportunity. <laughs> But So there's that. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, those are also options. I don't do anything of import on there. Um, there's Sometimes I post photos of people. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I retweet stuff, mostly D based or uh,
0: – Why don't we give out that Instagram handle?
1: Oh, both of the ha- handles are the same because um, I know how to brand myself. Good. Uh, it's Hatfield. Because my last name's Hatfield, but it's instead of a E, it's a three, so it's H A T F I three L D. The handles on those. Nathan, that's fantastic.
0: Nathan, Thanks, case. thank you for joining me on this podcast. I really had a delightful time discussing my favorite album with you. You can follow this podcast at Art School Albums on Instagram, and you can follow me on Twitter at underscore case low, c a s e l o w e. My Instagram is the same. Until next time, I thank you for listening. This has been Art School Albums with the Front Bottoms Talent of the Hawk.